0: You are listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivelovich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, this is some of my best friends or capitalists, uh, Rabbi Gluck and I had a conversation that I felt needed to be sort of divided in two. So, although it was actually happening all at one time, and we we're talking about who Achashverosh was, but I think that. The first part of the conversation, although I think is informed by people who study Kabbalah, <clears throat> I think that it's much more of a interesting historical approach and something which I think people would need to hear. So this is really the part one, which is really the historical Ahasuerus and the religion that fueled him. So that is actually going to be part one. The second part will be more uh, dealing with um, a cryptic explanation of, well, a cryptic medrash and an explanation from one of the great Mkuboim, uh, about that and an expansion, uh, a little bit of, of his idea and trying to make it make more sense. But this is part one, which is really the history. I hope you enjoyed it. Shalom. This is some of my best friends are kabbalists. I'm here with uh, Rav Nossam Notaglik from Ashkelon, Eretz Yisrael. We've been, nothing. Uh, we set for ourselves a task to discuss key figures in the Megilas Esther. Last week, we talked about, in general, how this story, first character, uh, who the first parak of Megilas Esther, actually introduces him as sort of like the over- writing presence Um right. now <laughs> I would suggest though you know, again more Nebuchadnezzar and others play roles in Tanakh uh, here we have Achashveirosh. Uh, uh I think playing even a larger than just the usual melech that needs to be appeased um you know, we sort of get into his kishkas more than we would, uh, you know, even Nebuchadnezzar in the time of Daniel, or maybe some of the other malachim. And Chazal, as uh, we're going to find out, um, do see him as a uh, very, very important for us to to contemplate. But you have some thoughts about uh, some historical thoughts about trying to figure out who this man was exactly, because he wasn't just a character in the Megillah, but his historical footprints are out there.
1: Um, yeah, there's, well, at least there's some theories about, about who he was, and uh, I think the one, that, the one that I'm going to present lines up pretty well with Chazal that gives you like an early date for Ahasuerus, puts Ahasuerus sometime in the early part of the um, Shivas Tzioin, you know, um, after, after Zerubavell, and let's say before Ezra Nehemiah, um so he would be he would be like third or fourth in line after after Cyrus who actually conquered Babylon and founded the founded the uh Persian empire um so there's just some interesting interesting things to say about him okay there's um contrary to to Rashi and 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 many other commentaries you know it does, would not appear that Ahashveroosh was an upstart King. He was the rightful heir of his father, Daryavish, and he even inherited one of Daryavish's big projects because Daryavish really tried to, conquer, tried to conquer Greece and break out of uh, Anatolia, out of, out of Asia Minor and into, into Europe. And he was, uh, he was unsuccessful. And one of the primary reasons why he was unsuccessful why, was the, is because the Greeks had a different sheet of armor. They had longer spears. They had a, diff- they had a different sheet of fighting. And the, and the, uh, the Persians were relatively unarmored, you know, and they relied, they relied a lot on the arrows to do their dirty work for them and then send, send the soldiers in to sweep up. But the soldiers went in relatively, relatively under, under protected. And, you know, they, they were maneuvering huge armies and huge ships and, you know, Greece is very rugged terrain. So it's very difficult to get around in, in Greece. And it's very, uh, very complicated maneuvering, both on the sea and and in land so after after Daryavish uh, was kind of defeated um, primarily at a battle called marathon, from which the word marathon is taken, if anybody you know knows that but after Daryavish was defeated, so the task of then he died um, and then the task of finishing the job fell to fell to his uh his son Achashverosh, or or, or something similar in Persian. Um, but people know him better through the Greek word uh, Xerxes, which is spelled with two X's. Okay. Um now anybody who knows a little bit of Rashi also knows that the letter X in Greek is actually pronounced H. So it's more like H which is kind of like more like like, like our um Anyway, Bikitzer. So um he also didn't he also didn't um didn't succeed although there was some very very famous battles the battle of thermopylae where the where the 300 spartan uh spartan soldiers held off the the whole force of the uh of the persian army a very famous battle it's been it's been made into a movie which i strongly do not recommend anybody seeing uh (laughs) but um yeah and it would appear to be that that the, the big party that he made was actually a a preparation for the war. And he does this shortly after he comes to power third, you know, third year of his reign he has the gigantic party. The party is a war planning event. I'll explain I'll explain that in a minute. Then he goes off the you know, then he kind of goes off the under the under the radar for for another three or four years. Then he comes back already and he's he's remembering Vashti And he's drowning his sorrows in 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 hundreds and hundreds of nubile females that he you know takes and disposes of, right? So you can he's probably suffering with massive depression because he got he got pretty badly whooped by by the Greeks, and ultimately he was he was easily deceived by his opponents. He got himself into ambushes that he could have avoided, Um, and he had a tendency to to lose his temper at at bad at bad moments, you know. And that's some of some of the stuff that uh, that did not. Did not help him be a good commander on, on on the field. And actually the whole idea of conquering Greece was probably ill-advised to, to begin with. So um, you know, that's your that's your in all in all probability, right? at least many people who who investigate this thing. And I would just want to say one thing about this idea that what were these big parties? What were they actually about? And there was a ton of drinking that happened at these parties, but they're actually tactical planning for, for battle. So what's the shot? The pshat is that the Persians really had this shita. If you want to make a good decision, you need to, first of all, get people extremely relaxed. So everybody whose opinion matters gets to toss off the most bizarre, insane opinions. Like, you know, let's get a bunch of hang gliders and drop, jump off Mount Ararat and fly. You know, Okay, you say the most absurd things because you're drunk. Then the next day or the next week, whenever, whenever it is that you sober up, you actually go back and evaluate all the things that people said while they were drunk. And then you, have already, you, can, you can begin to see the really novel, new, and insightful ways of, of dealing things. Because if you just do sober, rational discussions, okay, people tend to stay trapped in their, own, in their own conceptions and they're too afraid to really suggest anything that would be really new and revolutionary so this was actually a way that the that the that the that the parsim had of decision making and it's 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 really it this amazes me on on one level because it turns out that all this drinking is actually a way of thinking it's 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 connected to machshava and we we know that the Megillah says very strongly based upon the idea of machshava as if there's certain challenges that you win simply because you've thought them through Completely before they before they actually take place, and so wine and machshava in the Persian conception are very are very closely are very closely linked, and it would come out also by us also you know and it's, it's since we're since we're you know since we're here entering into the realm of Mahshava and we want to be super super authentic and real and true about who we are so nifnas and Yatza side it's really kind of interesting to see how that how that matches up. So that's what I wanted to say about Akashveirish and and um, and um, one can one can say that both Sedar Milchazal that he was a
0: now look I think that is a historical revelation you know again it goes you know counter to this idea of just debauchery. Right, um, and I, is that your own theory, or you've done some research indicating that that was the standard uh, military planning? Is there any other? Is there records to that, and some other cuneiform yes. or some? the well, record.
1: Herodotus. Herodotus actually writes that, and it seems it seems to be pretty pretty well established. Uh, the only the only Khrish that I would say is that that has something to do with with uh, with that we do. It's because in, in that context, um, drinking is machshava, and and homon is 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 the thing that you're trying to be Mavatil. So is uh, To me, so.
0: it's it's to me it sort of floors me because when I think about you know great military strategists and who was that German author who wrote the book about um, uh, about how military campaigns have to be held, I, I wonder mm-hmm. if any of the the modern this thinking. One no before it, it was this was a uh, a famous german general who wrote a book about um about about strategy of battle campaigns and uh you know patton used his ideas uh, in world war 2 and even earlier in world war 1 where patton was fighting uh so mm-hmm. I think it's Cusevitz or something like that, I think so. But the idea that the way that you need to have out of the box thinking, based on stripping yourself of inhibitions in front of your superiors, and that somehow that would, you know, push to the forefront, uh, the novel ideas that were needed for victory, that I think is something that is a unique point i've never heard that yes. in terms
1: of strategy sessions <laughs> let's get i, I mean consi- considering how it turned out i mean it's not necessarily so successful <laughs> thinking, so yeah. the whole
0: thing might just be the whole thing must be, might be a canard and a, a great great excuse to get drunk which is of the way i think that we uh, sort of historically whether, whether you, know, you know your you know, investigations or reading notwithstanding. We definitely have, through the generations, had an
1: idea of presentedsch as being a drunken either buffoon or lecher or or both or everything right know. and 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 therefore um, the not um, that, right. yeah, not yeah, that, yeah, that it was anything sheet-a-ti. um I just so, want to was he was not he was he was Zoroastrian so he was okay. a dualist, but he wasn't you know he he did it would have he would have had a very strong sense of of Musser and Dine Tum of v'tahara and and well lahab the v'tahara by them, which was very severe. Uh,
0: okay, so um, we, we've talked about Zoroastrianism. Of course, we did a whole uh, number uh, last year or two years ago. Forgot already. Time has sort of slipped away in a different uh, way of measuring. But we did a whole, if you remember, a whole discussion yeah. about Zoroastrianism. And and, and 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 I think that uh, you know I think I mentioned at the time that we know that all great. Um, empires were fueled by some sort of religious movement at its heart and clearly you know Persia's ascendancy and you know, spreading of power was definitely fueled by Zoroastrian um, fervor and a sense that uh, and I think also as, as I think I mentioned to you before the Zoroastrian uh, conception that dualism but also the the great pat on the back it gave you for being on the right side allowed you to and, and encourage you to join the team. Don't you want to be on the mm-hmm. side that fights against this evil God? This uh, right? Sure do. Don't you want to join Ahura yeah. Mazda? Join the Ahura Mazda team. And what, what was able to happen was that in these 127 distinct little city-states, whatever they were, they were able to pretty much uh, download that version of good against evil and, you know, fire against uh, the Dross material, and they were able to yeah. at least pay lip service to that idea and say, yeah, well, we can, we can, we can align whatever our voters is with that, because, okay,
1: um, and, um, uh, and I think well, that's, they, they were, they were fairly, they were fairly tolerant of, of the alternatives, you know, that, uh, well, look, because uh, they Kharish... could, they, Korish yeah. gave us the permission to go back there at Yitzur, but he did the same thing to lots of other people. But but it, he was quite respectful of of, of other deities, so it's, they weren't really that much of a proselytizing religion. You would be absolutely right in saying that they did get a lot of energy there, that their conquest was fueled by their you know by their religious vision. That's that's that's. But you know, but also that. but but also they felt, the, that, they felt that they had the, like the true emistiker religion, and that gave them a lot of backbone.
0: Which was gamish enough. They could actually say, hey, what you were doing was sort of true too, but now you're getting the bigger picture. Oh, okay. So it mm-hmm. didn't necessarily cause like a, a, a like what what I've been believing is not true. Well, I can't believe it but my grandfather and great-grandfather have been living this and I've got this old temple where I have all my money in there. No, no, that's true because it's part of the big picture of fighting the evil uh, other god. And what you were doing was really part of the Zoroastrian vision. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, you've been Zoroastrian the whole time and you don't even know it. Aha. So you mean uh, I'm getting an upgrade? Sure. And and can I still call this, you know, base Getchkaville? Yes, Getchkaville. But it's really Zoroastrian, but you could put that uh, as an asterisk on the bottom. Yeah, but it's Zoroastrian and Getchkaville at the same time. And I think that's part of the reason why everybody could sort of, hey, I'll be part
1: of that. Whereas- I, can, I can definitely concur with everything that you're, everything that you're saying. There's also like a shtickle raya from the Gemara. There were some of our chachamim, you know, that didn't want to go to this place called, I believe, Bebani. Bebani, right? Sure. They, they didn't, didn't want, want to go, go in. To, they didn't want, which eboni, was a,
0: which was a place of polemic. It was a place where, right? It was so- a
1: place where it was a place where 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 Zoroastrians or or um, yeah, Zoroastrians would have conversations with other religious traditions. By by, by then, it was well, Judaism and Christianity for the mo- for the most part, because you know, real desire was at that point practically non-existent. But I would want to say people don't people don't actually catch this that the Persian Empire was really an extremely long-lived. Thing it went through, you know, it went through all sorts of all sorts of changes of regime over the years. But it was an extremely long-lived enterprise. Um, and Alexander the Great kind of knocked it out temporarily. But after, you know, but after the after like a Hanukkah time and all that sort of stuff, the the Persians encroached again. And um, so our 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 Chazal or or the time of the Gemara was all under the Neo Persian the Neo sassanids Neo Sassanids, which are basically
0: and a, and a-, Shab- a Shab- reboot.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: it's a reboot. It's right. It's a so, reboot,
1: and the, the Zoroastrian religion is still there. Um, and basically, the Persian Empire didn't fall until until Islam.
0: Right. But But they, I mean, were, that's, not, that's what they were not that's where the Persian Empire. But they were not the empire in dominating so much of the world. They were not considered the the, the what we call the Arba Goliaths. Look, Hazal have a have their own prejudiced way of looking at when which Golas were under, right? So w- when Yavan, and you're right, when Alexander with his uh whatever it was, his his brilliance, his training, uh his mazel. uh you know, knocks out at the Darendels, whatever it was, against the Persians, so now it's Golis Yovan, and it's no longer Golis Paras. Right. So, despite the fact that Paras didn't collapse into nothingness, but for us, as far as
1: we're concerned, the power that we were dealing with was Yovan at that time, and then Rome. Yeah, I mean, Yovan, Yovan did knock out the Persian Empire for, for, once again, for a period of time, but it reasserted itself. The interesting Thing when Hazal say that they have these Arbogolius, which is you know, which is Bavel, uh, Yavon, um, um, Romy, no, Babel, Matraim, <laughs> Babel, Paras, Yavon, and and uh, and Edom. Okay, I think they're talking in terms of who actually controlled Eretz Israel. Uh, the, the fact, the fact, that one of these malchus under Greek control was after. Okay, so so in in that in that sense, malchus Yovan supersedes permanently supersedes um, uh, malchus Paras, and and malchus Edom, you know, supersedes malchus malchus Yovan. Right. But uh, in actual uh, fact, I mean, the Persian Empire was highly active and and, uh, and remained in power. Like I said, they were they were they were battling the they were battling the Romans or be, battling the Byzantines up until you know up until the advent of Islam, where where the Byzantines you know the Byzantines and the Persians were so tired out from beating each other up that the that the you know the Muslims came out of Arabia and conquered everybody. Uh, I, I think what we could
0: uh, maybe okay, I, I, let me just push back a little bit. What I would say is. Golis, when we talk about Golis Bovel, Golis Paras, Golis Yovan, Golas Edim or Romi, what we might mean is not just necessarily who the land of Israel was being controlled by, but rather the Jewish people in their mentality, who what they were getting influencing, what, what influences were now uh, inserting themselves into our mind, and we were sort of like, in a way, melding them with our Torah conceptions. So in some way, what happens in again, mm-hmm. Bovo I can't really speak to as much, but Paras, we definitely can see that there was, a, you know, a, a leader known as Mordechai, who is clearly, you know, who, who carries the name of, you know, of Mordech, right? Uh, so, so whatever it is, the Golos isn't. It's is about churning together and the ideas filtering into us, and then you have mm-hmm. Yovan whereas as Rav Satzal explains of course Hanukkah was sort of like the ultimate snogdus but there's also the 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 uh, ability to take from Yavon uh, the positives. Yavon was
1: incredibly influential right I mean, there's in there's terms no way right, about
0: it right and therefore of course Hanukkah brings out the the stark differences between pure Judaism and not but the basically the living within that sphere and hearing those ideas changes I would say, again, philosophically, how we look at Torah, how we analyze things, one could even say that what eventually becomes Talmud Bavali and that method of analysis is really built on a certain type of analysis that was in the air at the time of, in, in terms of the Greeks. Of course, whatever, however they used it was differently, but it becomes part of us. We're in Golos Yovan and Golos Romi. Uh, Golis Edom is, again, about uh, dealing with, you know, the greater world, assertion of power, um, managerial uh, abilities, all the things that Rome, you know, stood for, that also, you know, comes into us, whether Christianity has an aspect in that as well, as part of being Edom, Romi, or Christians, all of that is what I mean by Gullus. So, yes, so one could say that the influence from Paras yes historically they were still fighting they still had a pretty whatever their army I'm sure they finally got armor eventually but the, the golems we weren't in their goles as much anymore and you know so even in the time of the Amaroim that were really in their control there wasn't that much of a interplay uh, even though Shmuel was very close with Formalka etc but you didn't necessarily have the uh, the Interplay in the
1: same way that could be what Chazal mean by goos. I think that's a, a
0: well, possibility. I, as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's I think that uh, I think that's well stated. Look, if you if you take a look at if you take a look at Chazal and give some analysis of the ideas that are that are, you know, like who is who are Chazal being working opposite? Okay, so I think there's there's much more of the, you know, you, you can kind of see Chazal working opposite Christianity, as opposed to really out working opposite. Zoroastrianism. And there's a, there's a few phrases here or there, you know, like like uh, you know from your from your pupik uh, you know from pupik above you you belong to uh, you know Karmiz and from your pupik below you belong belong to Hormin and and you have a, you have Chacham that uh, that slugs that up. Um, but the I think I think that if you you know if you do a deep dive into the into the uh, into the Agadita, you think you know the the real conversation. You know, is with is with Gnostics and and uh, and with uh, Christians, as you we, we, as we pointed out, Gnostics more than Christians, but I think, but you know, in yeah. the end, right. Uh, and, and and I think in the same way that you've described uh, the ideal
0: of Suda, we sort of have that on a on a meta scale in terms of the mixture of Claudius of, of Yisroh within uh, this atmosphere. Whereas, okay, yeah, I'm fighting with you, but I'm also hearing those ideas, right? You know, I'm arguing with you and I'm also digging my heels in and I'm being docha bikash because I don't want to lose in front of you. But in some ways there might be some sort of like, again, uh, Christological influence in some ways, maybe in terms of compassion, maybe in terms of stressing certain certain of the neviyim and certain as opposed to, again, this is really getting into sort of apikursusia area but one could
1: even say we're not afraid of that are we
0: yeah well one could you know one could say that you know in the, the the dialectic and the debate really forces you in a way to if not come closer but at least to adjust and to analyze the areas that you know that you're being accused of if you're are you over is it true that you're just you're, you're overly legalistic and you're not spending enough time dealing with you know the stranger and the and and the and the widow and the orphan even though it's in your bible it's in your torah um, it's possible that again the interaction with christianity especially as we were you know on a practical level needed to hold on to our adherence maybe did cause some sort of, okay, we're going to emphasize these things a little bit more. We're going to push forward. Maybe even Hazal in their statements are gonna talk more about Midas and their Herets because they have to do that. I mean, this is again, a, a possibility. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, and you, in a way, what I'm saying is not fear is really happy courses at all. I mean, why would God subject us to a situation where we are in you know in constant locking horns with these others, if not for us to turn a little bit of a light on ourselves to 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 develop
1: better. Which Of course. Of course. I mean, you know, you have to if you're if you're gonna stand up to that kind of abuse, you have to actually have some have some weapons in your arsenal. And sometimes those weapons have to be developed on purpose because they, you know, you don't have to you know somebody has to come up with them. And somebody has to come up with the arguments and someone has to come up with the ideas. So so there's um yeah, there's there's a there's a give and take there. Um, which um, you know, I, I would agree with you that that Hazal seemed seem to have much more of an influence of the Greco-Roman world on their on their um, on their dialectic, you know, than they than they would with the with the Persian world. So yeah, I can I, I'll I'll sign off on your
0: well I'll, again. I'll
1: I'm I, I'm just your, you know, again because clearly Nelson, one of the things that uh, confronts
0: someone like yourself, uh, and especially many of the younger listeners we might have, is okay. You guys are talking like. Uh, what, and, and you've, you've, of course, lectured about this and, and, and been, been interviewed about it, is, okay, you're telling me what Hazal say, but what does the modern historian find out? What does archaeology uh, show us about what the past was? And, you know, you, could, you, you have one approach of saying, I don't give a damn about archaeology, and I don't care about what the actual history was. I live in this rarefied world of Torah. I live in this world, and this world is is good enough. Uh, you know, here's the hofbeis osios that I'm living in, and those osios are enough. Okay, I, you can bang me over the head from today till tomorrow, that that this is not the way things were, and that this is, I don't care. I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to um, say they can both somehow align together, despite the fact that what we have historic, our, our, our conceptions of things might be at odds with what historical um excavations have been able to
1: produce. Yeah, you know, we call Melambda so that's uh I uh, have. Yeah, Something but... my father used to say a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. but one
0: way is I got smarter with it and I, you know, it it, it sharpened my mind. Now I'm going to go back and see what the choice is really. How am I going to answer up this choice from the Nesivas Iskasha? The other thing is to actually say, hmm, I'm, you know, what you're saying is I can see the part that's probably true. I can actually meld it with what Chazal is saying here and basically get a larger truth than I had before. So I think that's that, there's there's two ways to to view it. Again, you could either be, as you say, the antagonist and 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 hit a whack a mole and just say, no, I don't want to hear that, or you can think about it and it can somehow uh, infuse you. Let's talk about uh, as we end off here today, because <laughs> we we definitely got off on a on a different horse than I thought.